Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Pedham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a 3-1 home win against Luton Town. Of course, a 12th win on the bounce at Villa Park. Villa are mint. Villa are brilliant. Um, it feels weird being this confident, but all in all, Villa remain fifth in the Premier League table. Five-point gap between us and Newcastle and Brighton. Villa, of course, on 22, Brighton and Newcastle combined on 17 points. They're lovely, jubbly, very happy with that. And I mean, of course, Simon's here as well. I, I should mention that, but Simon, everything is just coming up us lately, isn't it? Yeah, it's not been too bad, I suppose. You know, as as the uh, start to the season goes, it, it's been all right, I guess. You know, disappointed that we didn't get our customary four goals today, but I suppose you can't be greedy, can you? Well, that's what I mean. I, I, I don't know if there's a better definition of a walk in the park, sitting in third or fourth gear, and it literally felt like a training session. I, I, I thought the Hibs first, well, both legs, to be honest, felt like training sessions and you could see a, a major golf in class. But of course we talked about this briefly pre-recording, but I know we weren't this bad when we came up and I know Luton's story is still something of a, a fairy tale and it is remarkable considering how far they've come. But I mean, it was just night and day. It was one team on a completely another level and the other one just kind of hoping to stay alive, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think you suggested that we had even got as high as third or fourth gear. He's been very kind to Luton. I, <laughs> I don't, th- I honestly don't think we got out of first gear today and we could have put seven or eight past them with some of the chances we had. Um, yeah, they, I mean, I know Everton won their game today, but if, it's, if I was an Everton fan, I'd be really concerned that Luton managed to go to Goodison Park and win that game because I, I've, I, I'm struggling to think off the top of my head of a worse, like newly promoted team I've I've seen come to Villa Park in recent years. They, they were awful. I mean, they, they had no intention whatsoever of, of trying to leave their own half today, which. God, I thought their tactics were a bit strange. Really. I, I mean, I get obviously they're, they're a much inferior football team to us. You don't want to go out opening up too much. But once we went 1 0 up, 2 0 up, 3 0 up, and not one stage at any point in the game did they change what they're trying to do. So I thought that was odd. But I mean, let, we don't need to talk about Luton too much. Well, that's, this is last bit of podcast, of course. And yeah, 12 home wins in a row. Um, one all. Five games now Villa Park in the league this season, scoring twenty goals in the process, and yeah, it's uh, it's it's yes, yeah, it's all it's it, it's it's a weird one because we kind of after the game today, we're, we're having a few drinks in the pub afterwards, and like it it wasn't like as buzzing as you think it should be, and and not because like I, I don't know how to describe it. It's almost. Like, oh, is is this what it's like now to just be a really, really good football team? <laughs> that you just you you just beat everyone who comes to your ground, and like it's it's not a big thing. I I, I don't know. Like it's, it was different to the way I, I think. Like obviously the West Ham win last week because West Ham are you know a, a pretty decent team and and they um you know they they've got players that can hurt you. That that felt like a, a much bigger thing. Whereas today is. Yeah, it was basically like it's basically like watching a training session. It's just I don't know what other way to describe it with how Villa is, other than to kind of say that you walk away from this just thinking, like I, it, I, I guess you almost sound like a snob when you say like, oh yeah, it's it's a routine win. It is what it is. But like yeah. this is what good footballing sides do. They yeah. it doesn't have to be pretty. Pretty. It doesn't have to be complete performances and beautiful and world beating goals and all the highlights and all that kind of stuff. It's just a convincing win. We had mm. literally them under the gun from 
literally the kick of the first ball. And it was just a routine win. I mean, even looking at the statistics, and they played a back five, keep in mind, which it certainly did not feel like they were playing a back five, to be honest. That probably shows the golf in class. But Villa was 71% possession to their 29. Uh, Villa had 17 shots, six on target. They had seven shots. I don't even remember them having three shots, to be honest. They had one on target, of course. We had six corners to their four, 11 fouls to their 10. And, of course, their most lethal moment coming from one hell of a Esri Konza header to beat Emmy Martinez in the goal. So why don't we get that one um, out of the way first? So the, the one small negative, I, I mean, it, it does happen from time to time. It's a fluke. These kind of things, Simon, would be amplified ten times more if this was a draw or something like that, wouldn't it? it it's just one of those things, 3-0 yeah. up, we're playing so well, you can't even be mad about it at this stage, can you? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, like, for us on the ground, it's just more and more annoyance. Like, ah, oh, fucking, okay, that's, that's another clean sheet possibility gone. Um, it was just trying to, like, I mean, I, I initially, um, cause it was at the other end from where we sit. So I, I thought that he just headed it straight in. It's only I haven't seen it since. Like, it obviously hit the bar and comes back off Martinez. So, um, yeah, it's been a bit unfortunate for Emmy that he's going to get the own goal from that, where it was completely conscious doing. I, I don't, I'm not really sure what 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 went through his mind at, at that stage, um, but I mean, I, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. It's it's something that I'll be amazed if it, if it ever happens again. And in a way, it's maybe not necessarily a bad thing that that and then the sort of following five ten minutes of sloppiness happens because that means Emery now can you know give them all three or four hours worth of video footage to look over and, and you know, make sure that they don't sort of get complacent. It's, it's, it's difficult when, when you're that much better than your opposition. I mean, obviously not to anywhere near the same level, but, you know, I, I've, I've played football for years and years. And I've, I've played in, in the past in really, really good football teams. And when you're playing against a team base, you, everyone on that pitch from in everyone in your team and everyone in their team knows that there's a massive gulf in class. As the game wears on, you can get sloppy. It does happen. But we've got a manager who, you know, that 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 will be that that's almost really, really good from like a, a fan point of view to know that that that's something that Emery, you know hit that's all he'll be focused on is that we gave the way a goal and we you know the last five, ten Minutes, we did get a bit sloppy, and you know, it's it just just a nice little reminder that as as brilliant as we're playing at the moment, and brilliant as this season has been, there's still room for improvements, which is kind of scary, really, for the rest of the league in the way that you know we're we're playing really well. The ten games in the league this season, how many of those ten games did you say Villa were like really, really at their ultimate best? You know, we've won a lot of games. And again, this is kind of a sign of a good team, obviously. But we've won a lot of games where we've not gone out of first or second gear because we haven't had to. It's like that. That's for me is just the rising excitement levels even more when you know there's so much more to come for the team. You know you've got certainly uh, this season. You've got Ramsey Moreno that will be coming back this season as well. You, you just you can't help but get excited, can you? <laughs> Well, it, it's just even crazier to think that within a week span, of course, including the Conference League game against Alkmaar, Villa have scored 11 goals in three games. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty good. I, I mean, there's efficiency there. And like you were saying, in terms of Unai Emery, we could have won 6-0 today, and there's still things he's going to nitpick. And I know um, some fans, some players in the past, and you'll get pundits now, um, ex-players, of course, that'll say sometimes nitpicking's too much and you could um, lose the tune of the players and yada, yada, yada. But like that's the sign of an excellent coach and manager. And that's yeah. what you'll have. It's just... And I, I feel like I'm losing ways to describe an Unai Emery side at this point, Simon. But it's just like... I'm so happy, but I'm like... I'm not... I'm not, it's not like I'm bored of it, but it's just like, I'm not used to it being normal. So yeah. I have to like downplay it into a point where I don't know if we actually do accomplish something major, I may combust. I mean, how how do you feel when it kind of comes to 
Villa this season as a whole. I know um, we had, um, I, I know Seb said in the past, Tom has, um, Don's been on a few times as well to kind of preface that. But how do you feel about it? Because it's just, I don't know, this whole feel, this whole feeling this season, it feels like we're really building up to something. Yeah, I've, I've never seen an Aston Villa team like this. And I've, you know, as we, there's, as the joke on this podcast is with me as the uh, senior statesman, you know, it's been mentioned a number of times. 1997 was the first year that I had a season ticket. Um, and I've seen, we've had, we've had really, really good football teams over that time. We've had really, really good footballers play for Aston Villa in the last, well, is it now 26, 27 years since I've been going, something like that. We've had brilliant footballers. I've never seen us like this. I've, I've never seen us have this consistent level of control in football games. I've, I've never seen us have a manager as good as this. Um, I probably don't, I probably say I don't think I've seen us have a squad as good as this. You know, we've, today, we brought on Bailey, Tielemans, Diego Carlos have come off the bench and then Traore and Dendonka, which, you know, whatever people's opinions of those two footballers are, Dendonka is an experienced international footballer playing for Belgium, you know, one of the best teams in Europe. Traore, we know that he's got great ability. Like to have them to bring off the bench, and as we've mentioned, no Mings, no Brendia, no Ramsey, no Moreno. I, I, I just, I've, I've never, I, I can't remember. Like going into this season was the most excited I can remember ever going into a, a season as a Villa fan, and the, the the football that I've seen us play over the last twelve months. As I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, we're legitimately going into every single game thinking that there's a more than good chance we'll win this football match. And, you know, you think, at, I think at the start of December, we've got back-to-back home games against Man City and Arsenal. I honestly do not think we're going to lose both of those games. Like, I, I just, yeah, from, from, from my point of view, it's... It, it feels like we're getting back to the villa that I first started like sort of watching and going to where we were regularly finishing top four, top five, we were regularly in Europe, we were winning cups. It feels like we're getting back to that level, but with just a different level of uh, you know, coaching and managing the dugout and, and players on the football pitch. It's you kind of you, you don't want to go too far and get carried away. But it's difficult not to when you like the evidence is there. Look at the records over the last twelve months since he's been in this football club. Like this isn't a new manager bounce for the first, you know, five, six, seven games. This is twelve months of consistent, brilliant football and results. So it's, uh, yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. And I, I just I think there's just really exciting times, and it really feels like even this season, like it it, it feels like this is going to be a special season and something's going to happen this season. Well. I think the other thing too, Simon, is I feel like we've been kind of like as a fan base, this season being the third, but the two prior, we kind of started bigging them up more because there was that improvement within the squad. It was the first one, of course, that I thought we were kind of amplifying was if Grealish stays, we make these additions and go from there. Of course, it didn't live up to the hype and a lot of things happened and it was just a a very so-so season. And then of course, last season started off horrifically and then of course ended in a beautiful way. And this season is the first one, at least as me as a Villa fan that I've ever felt it live up to the hype and actually exceed expectation. And I think this stat actually kind of exemplifies that. Um, Jacob Tanswell with the athletic, the Villa reporter said today was Villa's 20th win in the Premier League. In 2023, only Manchester City have one more. It is the club's most in a single season or single year, sorry, since winning 21 in 1998. The consistency, mentality, and general framework has been constant for 12 months. That that is much deeper than a run of form, and I mean it's 100 percent true. And I, I think there's also an interesting quote that Emery came out with because, of course, Villa, like we said, sit fifth, five point gap between those below them and of course only a few points off the top of the table Unai Emery was asked about being a top four contender and he just said not really we have to be uh, focused each match we are winning matches because we are very focused we are trying to build a team that has high commitment but we are between another seven teams Um, they are ready and I, I think that shows he's being honest he knows that 
this isn't his full article. And I think that's probably the biggest thing for me because probably as much as I love Dean Smith and definitely for Gerard, if either of those were still our managers, this would be the complete form for them. That would probably be as good as it gets. Bruno Emery thinks he can take this to the very top. And he. this is probably, I don't know, maybe version three, four, even five of what he's expecting. Like, imagine what the first version is going to be if we get there. It's it's unreal to think about, isn't it? It is. But I, I kind of think when, when he's saying that, that we're not contenders to seven teams, I don't believe for a second that he truly believes that we're not capable of finishing with those teams. But he's very clever. It's it's. Is deflecting, you know, taking pressure off the players True. and putting pressure off them because, the, like all the, those teams that he mentions, you know, you've got your traditional sort of, you know, City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, you know, in years gone by, have sort of always been up and around there. Newcastle because of the money they've got in, and then Chelsea and Man U because of you know what they've won over the years and also the money that they've spent. It's I I think it's it's just classic. Um, sort of mind games from a, an experienced, clever football manager who knows, you know, there's no, there's no point in him coming out saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely contenders for that because you kind of, not so much, I think, from a Villa fan point of view, but you, you risk putting unnecessary pressure on yourself from people outside of the football club. And there's no need to do that. You know, everyone at Aston Villa, players, manager, coach, uh, you know, boards, personnel, and the fans know full well we have got a squad and uh, coaching setup more than capable of challenging for a top four or five position this season. But there's no pressure on us to do that. There's no pressure on us to to finish in the top four. There's no pressure on us to finish fifth. I don't think there's any real pressure on us to finish sixth. If we finish seventh, even if we finish eighth this season and won a trophy, I don't think you can look at that as like a massive disaster. If you look at if Chelsea or Man United finish outside the top five, that's a disaster for the money those two football clubs have spent. If Newcastle finish outside the top five and don't get Champions League football next season, well, it's not necessarily a disaster. That'd be a huge disappointment for them. So from our point of view, and and like Brighton are probably similar to us in the way, in that like us and Brighton, no one at the start of the season, other than maybe fans of you know our own uh, respective clubs, would have expected us to be capable of of putting in these challenges we have. So it's like I I love Emery saying stuff like that because it's it then it, you know, it it also kind of builds that sort of not quite siege mentality is probably the wrong phrase to use, but it builds that sort of motivation within the playing squad as well. To like, they know that the manager probably, I just suspect privately, Emery is telling them, you know, we can do this. But by saying that in public, yeah, it, it sort of, uh, it, um, it puts that message into people outside of Villa Park's mind that we're not contenders. So it gives, so people don't necessarily talk about us as being that. So it gives that players, added in a motivation to go improve all these sort of expert, so-called expert pundits wrong. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. Like, I feel like Villa have managed this fixture list so well so far. I mean, the thing that I can remember saying as, lo- as long as I've done this podcast in particular has been, we've struggled beating the teams in around us or doing it mm-hmm. in a convincing, comfortable fashion. Uh, probably apart from the Palace game where we just literally scored in the last 10 minutes and just walked away with it. I would say every game we more than exceeded expectation. You look at probably Brighton and West Ham, the markers of, Oh, can they make that next step? And we just haven't been able to, well, we did it in convincing fashion. That's the next one. Then we go into, of course, Forest next. We have Alkmaar again, then Fulham. And then there's a break. I mean, retrospectively you win the two league games and put in a, a good performance of course in Europe as well I mean it, it long story short is what I'm getting at is I feel like Una Emery has set this up so well and everything's going to plan I would have to think in his mind because when you get to late November all of December it's going to be terrible it's going to be terrible for a lot of teams even the best of teams and if we can go into that period being where we are with the gap mm. You can afford to drop a few points. It's going to happen at some point, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, unless we pull a Leicester, <laughs> then I'm not going to yeah. complain. 
Um, I'm always going to put that out there until it just doesn't become possible because this season just feels yeah. mental as it is. But it is that mentality of we're putting teams aside that we should be beating those so-called challengers around us. We're coming out as the top team. And yeah. of course, now with media and all the pundits and stuff, the next question is going to be is what happens when they go to Spurs or Arsenal or City? Um, they'll throw United and they're still somehow. I, I guess that's maybe our own hoodoo that we have to get over. But U- Unai already has a plan for that, I'm sure. Um, he's probably already looked ahead to December 26th, I'm sure, knowing um, how he does his planning. But it's, I don't know. I, I, I love the form and everything like that. And I just feel like for the first time, uh, not to make a massive conversation out of it, but we can go into a tough, heavy, congested fixture schedule and almost be a little bit more relaxed. Like when's the last mm-hmm. time we were able to do that and just maybe enjoy that as Villa fans, enjoy the holidays per se, <laughs> not worry about if we don't win one of these, we might get relegated. Yeah, no, it's, you're right. It's, it's a great position to be in. I mean, you look, you know, say the rest of November in the league, the Forest way, uh, Fulham at home, games don't expect us to win. They even Tottenham away. We did the double of them last season, and and they are they are weaker because they don't have Harry Kane anymore. I know they've had a really good start to the season, but even then, you look at the start of the season. How bad, how tested have they really been? I mean, Arsenal away, obviously that that is a tough game, but you've also got to take those games are always wild though. Like... Yeah, and and is it well? It's a derby game as well, so that that's a difficult one to kind of judge. And the Liverpool at home, they were fucking lucky to have won that game. You know, the, obviously you had the whole ridiculous thing with the Diaz goal disallowed. But even when Liverpool went down to 10 men and 9 men, I thought Liverpool were, were actually better than, than Tottenham in that. It was only a ridiculous own goal that, that won them that game. So yeah, they've had a good start. But this, like, f- f- from from then, you know, it's, it's, it's still kind of a bit of a whole new manager bouncing. So you then... So you, that, that that takes us to the end of November and like you say you go into those, those December games on paper obviously Man City and Arsenal at home back to back are tough games but like I said earlier I, there's, I, I just I can't see at the moment that we'll lose both of those and then it goes into your point there you, you know you're going into the rest of December where again you've kind of got I think we've got what Brentford away, Sheffield United at home, Manuel City, away, City and Arsenal back to back. Yeah, yeah. So, but like, I mean, like once you take like the, so those those yeah. two back to back games, the rest of December, then you're talking Brentford away, Sheffield United at home, Manu away. That's not that's not a, an awful run of fixtures, and then you know, so so that's that's a busy schedule, but with games that you you're more than confident for the majority of the, that you'll get results into. So it's, um yeah, it's, it's just, it's kind of, it's really uncharted territory um for, for a, a big generation of Villa fans because of how poor we've been, you know, in, in recent years. But um as I say from, like, from the, <laughs> the older viewpoints, like it, it's kind of, as I say, it's getting back to how we were in the late 90s, early noughties. Like this was just, Villa were a really, really good football team then. Um, but the difference is now, uh, just I, I think the level of players we've got, and the level of manager we've got, is, is just like nothing I, I, I've seen in, in my lifetime going to Villa. Well, and it's that thing too. Like, I love how the media is talking about Villa, but it's not over the top yet. And it they're mm. letting us quietly kind of, get up there and then eventually you know it'll it'll come some part of the season like oh, how did that happen um, yeah we know how that will happen but interesting i know this isn't a spurs podcast but i was just looking at their fixtures up until the end of december and i feel like almost ours are better i mean they have chelsea fair enough uh yeah. but they have wolves us uh they have city then west ham newcastle forest everton and brighton so uh, th- that's, no, what I mean. you, that's what you mean. Like it's yeah. you have to manage that expectation. Of course, they could come out of that with flying colors. Who knows? So and, and if and so. if they do, then fair enough. Then we can have a different conversation about Tottenham. But, Absolutely. You know the the fact they're top of the table now. Yeah, it's great, but it's, it's ten games in. They've not really been tested. I I don't think like properly. Like not certainly not for consistent. They've not had a consistent run of games that you think. God, if they can get through this, this is really good. And there's still, there is still that the whole new manager bouncing. You know that there's no doubt that they are weaker 
with Harry Kane not being at that football club. And let's see how they deal with the negative spell. You know, when Emery first came into us, we had that three defeats in the row, Leicester, Man City, Arsenal, where there was, you know, some discontent from certain sections of our fan base about the way that we were trying to play, you know, playing out from the back. But we reacted brilliantly to that period of, you know, three defeats and that sticky spell. And I think we, was it the next 10 or 11 games, we went unbeaten, something like that. So, you know, I, like you said, this, this isn't the Tottenham podcast, and I don't know why I've sort of gone off on a Tottenham <laughs> tangent. But let, let's let see if they have two or three, four dodgy results. Let's see how they respond to, to that. Um, but yeah, let's, let's stop talking about Tottenham. Yeah, but to be fair, though, there are parallels <laughs> because that's how Villa are going to be treated until we yeah. come through. And that's how... And I'm not comparing us to the to, uh, the Leicester side that won the league, but they were the same yeah. way. It was okay once they beat City, once they beat Arsenal, yada yada yada. Then they yeah. lost to Arsenal, and then there was oh, it's going to flip on its head, and it never did. So yeah. again, it, it's one of those things where literal pundits will wait till the second last game, and then oh, they're good. It's like yeah, okay, yeah, we, we've actually been good all season, but that's yeah. it is what it is. But to get back to the game, I, I this isn't so much of a heavily focused. Um, on the uh, match analysis, to be honest, like we've said, it was felt like a bit of a training yeah. match, and no disrespect yeah. to Luton, they might actually um, agree with it themselves. And I think there's mo- probably a lot more, um, I guess, emphasis on just the wider spectrum to cover here. But the one thing I did want to kind of discuss, in particular, to this one, Simon, probably the last thing, of course, McGinn scored in the 17th minute. I should add that Dougie Louise, of course, got on the score sheet again with an assist. Um, for that one, Diaby got a goal. If you're an FPL uh, player like uh, myself, of course, he did get an assist on the own goal from Lockyer as well. Uh, Leon Bailey got the assist on Diaby's first. And I did want to touch on Diaby because I feel like not a lot of fans, but I feel like there's maybe been a little bit of question marks about maybe his goal contributions. And it started off very well and then it faded, came back in, faded. And now, of course, he's got a, a goal and then a, a, I guess a fantasy league assist if you yeah. want to add it as that, because I know the actual official stats probably won't give it to him, but I feel like this is what we're going to probably expect from him. I know he's not a winger, but he just, he seems to me that he's going to rock up, maybe score two goals here, get a couple assists here. It's going to be spread out maybe in bunches per se, mm. but it's the off the ball stuff with him that probably makes the bigger difference. Isn't it? It's, I think yeah. a lot of people want to look at the goals in the system. going to measure how well he's going to do at Villa. But for me, and I'm assuming for you as well, Simon, because you've um, excessively been shaking your head as a yes, you do agree with that. It's just one of those things where he's going to have an all-around impact on this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Literally probably about 30 seconds before he scored. I, I was sort of like quietly thinking to myself, I'd be, be nice for the Arby to get a goal today. Just because just it had been a little while. I mean, I mean, I'll give you, it's it's not a problem, but I mean, you probably, just from his own point of view, he won't want to go too many games without getting on the score sheet. But you're absolutely right. It's, it's the off the ball stuff. I mean, you look at, it, it's kind of like to a lesser extent of like, Ollie Watkins, and that when he's not scoring, you look at the off the ball stuff that he does, and you know, uh, if if Derby doesn't necessarily get a goal in the game, you know that he's running and the clever little sort of positions he he picks up, it pulls opposition defenses apart, and and it creates space for for other people. You know, you look at McGinn's goal today; 
the free kick is DRB who lets the ball run past him. You know, everyone, all the Luton players are expecting as Dougie rolls that back for DRB to come on and, and, and leather that at the edge of the box. So it's, yeah, it's his all round game. You know, he, he takes focus away. Uh, from from sort of our, on our midfield runners like like McGinn or Louise or Zaniolo sort of getting into space in the box. So yeah, I, it's it's one of those like I say, I I kind of thought I thought he could do with the goal today just because it had been a, a little while. But if he hadn't have scored, I I wouldn't be you know panicking and thinking oh he needs to come out the team or anything like that because he offers so much more that, than just goals or, or assists. You know, he's he's running, he's the the clever positions he, he he picks off between the opposition midfield and defence to receive the ball, um, yeah. So he, he's just he, he offers so much to our football team and and uh, has has really raised the standards of our attacking play since he's come in this season. Absolutely, and I, I've noticed a few fans, um, and he does do this from time to time. He might drop a little deep and kind of pick it up and carry it. And some fans have complained about that because obviously, if he's closer to Watkins, it might be more of a lethal threat, but. I do like that. And I think Villa needs a player like that. Every team did. We did that with Grealish and then we didn't. And then we complained when he wasn't scoring or getting enough assists. But without that, then how did we transition out of the field? We have more players with that capability. But again, he just brings everything to his game. And I I think we really can't uh, have too many arguments against it. The one thing quickly I did want to mention, when is Zanolio going to score? Or Zaniola, whatever uh, you pronounce it. He's going to score. Let's see here. Let's look at the schedule. He's going to score on May 11th, 2024, second last game of the season against Liverpool to give us a win. Like, I feel like that's it's going to take that long. I don't understand how. He, he, I think he desperately needs a goal because I actually, I don't think he had a great game today, if I'm being brutally honest. Um, yeah. The chance he had right at the start of the game, uh, the way when, um, when Watkins flicks a look for him on the volley. He's got to. You've got to hit the target with that, and then I think, I think he knew himself. He really should have been putting that one away. And then for the rest of the game, it just felt like he was always trying to get himself into a position to take a shot on. And I think he's someone that I I, I really like him. I think I think there's a, a I think there's an excellent footballer there. You know, you can clearly see he's got great potential, and great ability. I think he just needs a goal, or a goal or an assist, one or the two, just something to just settle himself down so that he feels okay. Like, hey, I have contributed, like you know, um, a tangible thing that you can measure to to have got our team a goal. And then I think I think you'll see him relax a bit more. Just sometimes it, it feels like he's he sort of is trying too hard to impress, which. I mean, I, you'd always rather someone's trying too hard than not hard enough. But you, you, kind of, you feel like if he just he just needs that just to relax himself. And I think you see him a bit more relaxed. I, I think you'll see an even better footballer than you're already seeing at the moment. Yeah, you can just tell he's... It, it's when it's when you've had that many moments and he's just kind of shooting too early, taking that extra mm. touch, not taking enough. It'll come eventually. It Maybe it just needs to be ugly bounce off his backside and roll in or something like that. We've seen yeah, that exactly. Yeah. Past. Um, McGinn, for example, um, <laughs> I, I mean, Christ McGinn could hit that off the backside from 40 yards out and it'd probably go in to be honest. But I mean, Simon on a, on a more somewhat serious note, if you're going to pick out your uh, man of the match slash uh, match ball award, who would you be given this one to? It feels a little more, more difficult. I don't know why. It, it does because, because I, we didn't have to be good. Like we, we were good without being good. If that makes any sense, if, Seven do you know what I mean from hands. that? Yeah, yeah. But like there, there was there was no like massive standout. But um, I don't know. That's a really difficult one to pick among the match because, like, part of me thinks maybe Diaby has got a goal and assists. Part of me is really tempted to give it to Leon Bailey. I thought it was fucking brilliant when he came on at halftime. I thought he almost scored uh, an outstanding. I think it was when he like um, I think he started the move off, you know, like a little turn out of the wing, gave it to Diaby, and then Diaby was like a kind of a disguised pass into the path of Bailey. He took one touch and then just sort of just got the shot wrong and put it wide. Um, ooh, do you know what? I'm gonna go. Mm, can I give a joint? 
If you want to, I'll, I'll let you have it. Why not? I'm going to give a joint one. I, I suspect people may think I've gone nuts here, but I'm going to give a joint one to Matt Cash and Luca Dean. Because I, I think, like, it, because it was Newton offered absolutely nothing. So, like, it was a difficult, it was difficult for midfield or, like, a forward player to really sort of stand out and shine. Whereas the two of them, I thought, did what very little defend they had to do very well. But I thought Dean got forward brilliantly and, you know, put, put in some really good balls. And I thought, Matty Cash, I, I think he's been excellent this season. There was, there was one bit, I think, early in the first half where they had, they'd had a rare attack. And he kind of, he picked the ball up and ended up sort of like dribbling to his own corner flag. And then, like, managed to cut back inside and sort of worm his way back out and, and get us going again. I'd say, yeah, I'd, I think I'll go joint Cash and Dean. Fair enough. Um, I'm struggling with this one as well. 99.9% of people probably won't agree with this because, of course, it wasn't a clean sheet. It wasn't this man's fault. I'm just going to go with Pau Torres. The fact that he flicked mm. the ball over Andres Townsend and sent him back into semi-retirement <laughs> the best thing. I, it was just so easy. It, it was literally – it yeah. reminded me of, like, an, like, a man just kind of flicking it over, like, a three-foot child or, like, yeah. infant. Like, that's just how it – Oh, I don't know how to describe I, that. I, I think one of, one of my favourite moments in the game, and I, I don't know whether it would have come through um, like for you guys watching on TV, but uh, for about midway through the second half, the whole end burst into a chance oh, of Rooney, 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 and there's only one way Rooney, which just, I mean, it was just the icing on the cake of, of a brilliant week of football, really, wasn't it? We we won three in a row, scored eleven game, scored eleven goals, and them lot down the road. You, you know, it's something's gone bad when your uh, your local rivals are taking time out from enjoying their three 0 wins, seeing your manager's name. Like that's when you know you've you've made a massive cock up here, boys. The fact that they've actually sacked John Eustis for Wayne Rooney because they want to play attacking football. And then they're actually, I've seen the highlights. They're playing the opposite of what they were playing before um, is the ultimate karma. But anyways, we we don't need to make fun of them because I'm I'm sure they're in for more pain (laughs) as the season progresses. Um, The one thing I did ask a few people on Twitter, of course, if they had any thoughts, questions, um, things of discussion they want us to bring up. There's a few of them that did get in touch and partially this is my fault for not putting this out earlier, but thank you to the few that did get involved. So I'll just read these out really quickly. Uh, Seamus says happy with the win and never took it out of first gear. Uh, no complaints. Really all those Zaniolo didn't look great. If there was anything to moan about for early days. And I made the call that Bailey needs to replace him at halftime and it happened. So very happy. Use the little kind of uh happy emoji celebration. So there you go. Um, good to you, Seamus, for uh, being Nostradamus <laughs> on that one. Uh, Wayne says, we did waste some chances today, which we should have <laughs> put to bed against better opposition. It may have been the difference. Of course, there was a double save on Watkins, but to be fair, it was a very good double save. Uh, a little bit annoying if you just bought him in on FPL. I do mention that more and more, but that's because, I don't know, some years I'm very into it if I'm doing well, and I'm doing well this year, so I'm annoyed on that one. Um, and of course, uh, Wayne Mills, another Wayne coming in saying, uh, would like to see Tillman start against Forrest. Maybe we'll talk about this for a minute. Were you a little bit surprised he didn't start this one? I kind of felt like maybe there was a chance for him to continue that consistent form against an easier opposition, but where do you sit with this eye? Uh, I wasn't, no, because I, I I was more surprised that he actually started on Thursday. I I thought that we'd have gone pretty, pretty much the starting 11 that we uh, started West Ham with against Outlaw just because I uh, I assumed that Outlaw would be the more difficult game than to, than today it was as, as it turned out both were a stroll for us really so I I kind of expected him to not to have started that and then start this one but because he did start midweek I then fully expected him to to be back out I, if anything I was probably more surprised that Bailey didn't start just because he come on obviously scored against West Ham. And was outstanding, like really outstanding against Alpha. So I was probably a bit more surprised at that. I would suspect having been brought in at half time and played very well in that second half, I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey start against Forrest. Um, I don't see Tielemann start against Forrest. I, you know, if, if there's a, I, I only see that one change, probably Bailey coming in for, for Zaniolo. Um, but you know, as 
this is, I think, the first time this season we'll have gone a whole week between Premier League games without something midweek. So, so maybe, maybe you might see a few changes next week because because we've got a whole week preparation, so he can try out different things in training. So, yeah, p- perhaps you might see a, a few changes next week because then is it. We've got Alkmaar then, haven't we, between Forrest and yes. Fulham? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, maybe, maybe there'll be changes next week and he'll go a bit more full strength against Alkmaar to just try and seal qualification for the group. But, I mean, you just, you don't know whatever he's going to do, but whatever he does, it will be the right thing. This might sound extremely Tim Pop, but I'm so glad we're at the Fuck Cup or Carabao Cup, whatever you want to call it, to be honest. I feel like this, <sighs> the rotation, and I feel like this would have added another midweek game. I feel like this gap within a week is going to be massive for when I am re. And I think, especially when you look at Luca Dean, I think he probably needs the break. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like for me, that, that, that game's probably the only real, looking back now, the only real sort of, proper blots on the season I mean yeah. the Warsaw defeat was obviously frustrating but that was the opening game of a six game group stage you know and as we've shown I'd be amazed if we don't get out of that group now uh, you know from what we've seen in those first few games so even that you can kind of forgive the Everton defeat from my point of view I think it's a missed opportunity to to possibly win a, a trophy because yeah. I, I would love to see us win a trophy. However, having seen sort of what's happened since that, obviously, you know, battered Brighton, battered West Ham, um, you know, won a couple of games in Europe and that. I, after that uh, Everton defeat in the Cup, I I didn't see a situation where I thought we could make a legitimate challenge for top five space. Having seen, you know, just how good we are, have actually been getting as the season's gone on, I agree. Whilst I'd, I would still love us to win a trophy, I can take going out of that. But I really, really hope we have a proper tilt to that FA Cup because we, funny enough, we were talking as we were walking back uh, to the car today. In January, as things stands, there's only two Premier League games in January because you've got two FA Cup games. And if we finish top of our group in the Europa League, which uh, Conference League, which I'd expect us to now, we don't play. We wouldn't play in that again until March. So make sure you finish top of that group. You don't have to worry about European football until March then, and then go and have a proper go at the FA Cup. You know, because I, I think I can, I can take going out of the League Cup to con- continue how great we're going in the league get through that Conference League group, finishing top, and then really have a go at the FA Cup. Because as I say, I, it really feels like there's something special that's going to happen this season. Yeah, and even kind of upon further review, you're right there, Simon. I mean, you kind of have to, considering, and no offense to Burnley, we would have been trying against Burnley if we would be in Everton. And of course, if he would be Burnley, you could either face, yeah. and of course, Arsenal or Stunler, Liverpool are in there. Uh, United and Newcastle, but aside from that, you still have Mansfield Town, Port Vale, Middlesbrough, uh, Blackburn, Chelsea, Exeter. I like how I throw Chelsea into that group now. Um, <laughs> uh, Ipswich, Fulham. Uh, I think I just named them all there, and I, I think you have a real good opportunity to probably get into the. That's what I mean. Yeah, it, so, it, it, right. it felt like you know the the round that we went out. I think there was like something like seven or eight all Premier League ties that day and obviously Man City went out so it, it, it felt like there was a, an opportunity to have got yourself as you say to a semi-final then you, you never know what can happen but I you know as, as, as discussed earlier we, we can take going out of that competition if, if it means the greater good is going to be something even more special Absolutely. Well, let's get over to the three-word review. So this is a little bit of a heads-up for Simon to ponder what he can uh, muster up. Of course, you can tweet us post-match at 7,500 to hold. And thank you to the uh, few that do get involved. Always, I to be honest, Twitter, X, whatever is so broken now. It's weird that one match you can get like 50, 60, 100 interactions and then actually get 15. And Villa are still amazing. So I think it's just the platform that's broken, to be honest. I don't sound bitter, but Elon has absolutely fucked it. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's go over to our very own Tom Nangill, who says pedestrian win anyway. Uh, Jazz Singh, just too good. Our Bates, 
Um, he has a little bit of a hyphenation here. This actually could be the podcast title. I haven't decided. So he says, United, we stand. Um, hmm, nice. in that. Nice. He's also, or Smithwick has hyphenated Diaby D. Uh, B. Uh, Kevin Chapman says dozen home wins. Um, Abu Dhabi Villa says quality, then Kamikaze, of course, speaking to those five yeah. minutes of pure chaos. Uh, Villa Vida, decisive, dominant doe. Uh, Spencer, 12 and 12. Amanda says up the villa. Anthony says very comfortable, and let's do two more because why the hell not? Uh, Paul Butler says on the money, and then we'll finish with a very, um, I guess, kind of Middle mindset of Monso saying steady she goes. I think that's a good way to leave that. But Simon, what's your three word review? Business as usual. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm really struggling and I, I figured mine was going to be something like that as well. Um, I'm just going to go um, Emery. No, Unai. Mm, oh, I had it and I forgot it. That's very, very bad. This is the second <laughs> week in a row I've done this or podcast. Um so three you can more, edit this out. Yes, three more <laughs> points. There you go. <laughs> I panicked. That was tragic. Uh, I had I had a really good one, and then I forgot it. You have to start reading. writing them down. I do. I, trust me, the, the closer I get to the uh, age of 30, the more I'm forgetting things. And as I learned of last night, I can literally only have a few beers, and I'm dying today. So <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like for you in your 40s, Simon. Um, uh, I mean... Just, just, you think you're dying today? You, you want to see the state I was in on Friday morning, waking up in Amsterdam. Waking up? Oh, true. I did. To be honest, I didn't think we were ever going to get you back at Villa One. So <laughs> I'm very glad that you made it home, and the Beatles poster is um, still up behind you and intact. <laughs> if you ever get rid of that, we're going to have issues because you've had that for as long as, at least, probably longer than this podcast, of course. But it's it's a staple when we record um, something we might do as a, a new segment at some point, but I'm just going to brush over it now as I, I do think we need to give a little bit more uh, limelight to, of course, the loanies, the, the players that have left Villa on loan, uh, whether it for be a, a partial season loan or entire season. Uh, so just to kind of give it, people an update, because I feel like some people lose touch with some of these players or they're interested, but don't always uh, remember to kind of see how they're doing. Of course, all of these are uh, of course brought to you by the, um, the Villa, academy on twitter which is uh academy avfc we've had him on a few of our twitter spaces and stuff like that uh he's a good time to chat with and he always um his commitment to talk to be honest to uh the academy is unrivaled and i think it's something that definitely goes underappreciated so we'll try to support that as much as we can uh so to kick it off first of course king kessler hayden played 90 minutes and finn azaz played 77 minutes um, they both, of course, were playing for Plymouth in a 3-2 loss to Ipswich, which it looks like Ipswich could actually be a Premier League side next year because they have like a seven or nine point gap um, in the top two, which is absolutely mental. Um, but would that be a new ground for you, Simon, that you've never been to just quickly? Which, what was that? Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I've never been to it, yeah. Never well, been there we go. Maybe next season. Um, let's see here. Lamar Bogart, of course, played 30 minutes as a sub. He featured from the bench as Bristol Rovers responded to the sacking of Joey Barton by defeating Northampton 2-1. Good old Joey Barton getting sacked. Um, I'm sure a lot of people do love that because, let's be honest, he is quite the knob. Um, let's go, <laughs> to, of course, um, Exeter, where, of course, our young goalkeeper, um, Viljami Sinisalo played 90 minutes, continued in the extra goal, of course, as they managed a one-all draw against Lincoln. Louis Barry missed out um, in Stockport's latest match through injury. And, of course, um, Afoka did as well as he was not selected. Um, Stockport won again. It looks like they'll probably be in League One next season. Um, and, of course, Afoka uh, was, um, like I said, not selected in a loss to Bradford. I kind of butchered that reporting. But anyways, everyone knows what I meant there. And last but not least, of course, Seb Revan um, was named on the bench as Rotherham traveled to Sheffield Wednesday. And I'm pretty sure Sheffield Wednesday um, won 2-0. Yes, they did. Okay, because I saw that earlier and I wasn't sure if that was still accurate. I'm very glad I didn't butcher that as well. But anyways, we'll we'll get better. There's things we do want to improve with this podcast and change a few things up. Just to uh, the basically, the older we get, the more hip we want to be and kind of stay in touch with young folks. Even though our age bracket for this is 
to those listeners is basically um, our age anyways, but you never know. Sometimes you have to get young and hip. Isn't that right, Simon? That's why we have Seb. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Keep us young. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, anyways, I think that's a good way to leave it. I'm not sure if we'll have a preview prior to the forest um, match out, but if not, of course, check out the website, 7500holt.espionation.com. Uh, there's lots of previews and all kind of pre-match stuff going on there. So be sure to check that out. And I should preface that more. And as Simon puts his hand up for the third time, what do you have to say? Just a, a quick one. I, I don't know if you've uh, got this over here, but uh, uh, today, um, Charlie Aitken, who's the record club record appearance holder for Aston Villa, uh, passed away at the age of 81. So just, uh, you know, thoughts and condolences with his family. You know, club record appearance holder for our football club. Um, he made 660 appearances for Aston Villa over 17 years. So, yeah, sad news for the football club to, to hear about that. I didn't even hear about that. So that is, of course, very sad. And our thoughts and uh, prayers go out to him and his family and everyone um, that was in his life, of course. It's never easy losing somebody. And, of course, when you're in the history books of Villa, we have to appreciate one of our own. But uh, I think this is a good place to leave it. So, of course, very uh, thankful for Mr. Simon O'Regan for joining me once again. You can find him on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days, at Cy O'Regan. You can find me at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to hold. And of course, if you want to email anything for the podcast over to us to read out, it's holtcast at gmail.com. If you want anything read out or included in terms of the website, of course, it's uh, 7500 to hold main at gmail.com. But anyways, I'm running out of breath. Still slightly hungover, I'm not going to lie, and I feel like my lungs are dying on me, so we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the villa. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.